With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, this might be a little hard to hear. But what you're listening to is Alex Lance teaching some grueling, heart-pumping aerobic dance steps. Slide right, step right. Slide left, step left. There are about 20 people following her, nearly all women, in a small studio in the back of a basement gym in New York. Step, hop, clap. Step, hop, clap. Two more times, then repeat. And one of the people trying to follow along is me. (laughs) Also with me is producer Julia Press, grilling me mid-workout. So how are you feeling right now? <laughs> Very out of breath, I have to say. <laughs> wow. Are the moves what you're expecting? They are. They're just a, a little faster than I thought. Uh, it's hard to, like, keep up. After a while, I get it, but it takes a little bit of time. Oh. And there's more. More of Jazzercise. And no, I'm not wearing leg warmers. From Business Insider, this is brought to you by... Brands you know, stories you don't. I'm Charlie Herman. Jazzercise started more than 50 years ago in a dance studio near Chicago. Since then, it's brought together hundreds of thousands of mostly women to exercise and get fit. But it's also given them the chance to become entrepreneurs and run their own businesses. You might think Jazzercise is just jazz hands and headbands, but you'd be missing a much bigger story, one about a woman who made the right choices at the right time and went on to blaze a trail in the $32 billion U.S. fitness industry we know today. So grab your gym clothes and get ready to stretch and hold three, two, one. I bet when you hear the word jazzercise, the first thing that comes to mind is something like this. Hit it! Come on now! We're gonna get jazzy, sugar! Yeah! And hit it again! A group of women dancing and stretching and moving to music. For a lot of people, jazzercise is basically another way of saying the 80s. Neon clothes, lycra, shoulder pads and leggings, not to mention all that permed hair and crimping. Remember the claw? How did we ever think we looked good? Anyway. You gotta find that boogie body, okay? Um, chicka, um, chicka, um, chicka, um, and then there's this. Hi there. The voice of Judy Shepard Missit, the creator of Jazzercise. Oxygen and take another one and we're gonna stretch it out. She's front and center wearing a teal leotard, dark blue stirrup leggings, and has blonde feathered hair. It's the 80s, so think Heather Locklear. She's sparkly, enthusiastic, encouraging. And use those beautiful arms of yours. 
She's just so happy teaching jazzercise. When you watch these videos, just try not to smile. I mean, you just want to follow along. That was Judy then. Shake it, sugar, do it, do it. And this is Judy today. Jazzercise is my passion. 50 years after she taught her first class, she still teaches three to four classes a week. We have seen many things come and go, and I am very fortunate to be able to say that we pretty much pioneered the fitness industry. And if you're thinking, wait, Jazzercise still exists? Well, I know. I kind of thought the same thing, actually, when I heard the company was celebrating 50 years last year. And since then, I've been kind of obsessed with taking a class. You just heard me struggling through one there, and I have to tell you, it was really tough. I was sore the next day. So, yes, not only is it still around, there are 8,500 instructors in 25 countries teaching over 32,000 classes a week. Over its 50 years, Jazzercise has made more than $2 billion in sales. And Judy is right. It did create a template for many of today's group fitness classes, your bar and your spin and your cross-training workouts. And by the way, I am calling her Judy because that's what everyone calls her, her students, her instructors, her fans. The path to Jazzercise began when Judy was growing up in Red Oak, Iowa, a small town in the southwest corner of the state. She started dancing at a very young age, three years old, and as a teenager, went on to win awards, including America's Most Beautiful Majorette circa 1961. The corn cobs on the ends of her batons might have helped. When it was time for college, Judy had two choices, Stanford or Northwestern. She wanted to study theater and radio and television, but in the end, she made her decision thanks to a choreographer she met named Gus Giordano. He said to me, you need to go to Northwestern because that's where my studio is, and I want to train you. I want you to come and dance with me. Giordano is considered one of the founders of jazz dancing. And for Judy, the opportunity to dance with him, to teach at his studio, and perform in his company while going to school at the same time, well, she couldn't pass it up. Giordano also gave Judy the space to create what would eventually become Jazzercise, though when she started teaching the class in 1969, it was called Jazz Dance for Adult Beginners. I told him what I wanted to do, and he said, well, hey, go on downstairs to that empty studio and see what happens. And by golly, a lot happened. In the beginning, that introductory dance class for the group of women who signed up, well, it bombed. I was teaching those as though the people in my class were intending to become professional dancers. I, I didn't think about health or fitness or any of that. It was just, okay, I have to train these people so they can get better as a dancer and go on and do things. Judy would teach a routine based on her professional training. She'd demonstrate the steps to the women and then walk around the room and make critiques, compare their form in the mirror to her own. And within a few weeks, about 90% of the women dropped out. So I realized that a lot of them were also stay-at-home moms or they had children in other classes in the studio. So while the kids were taking their dance classes, the mom wanted to do something. And so, you know, they thought, well, I'll take a beginning jazz dance class. It was a dance class and it was hard. Judy decided to put aside her hurt feelings and find out what she was doing wrong, how she could improve her class. 
So she called the women up and asked them for their honest feedback. In her book, Building a Business with a Beat, she quotes what they told her. Plain and simple, it was too hard for me. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't remember the counts or the steps. I'll never be on Broadway. I just want to look good for my high school reunion this fall. I hate seeing all the things I couldn't do in the mirror. It was demoralizing. Honestly, I thought it would be more fun. It wasn't. I realized that they didn't want to be professional dancers. They just wanted to look like one. And that was really my aha moment there in that studio in Evanston, Illinois. And I thought, okay, I'm going to change the format of the class. I'm going to make it simple and fun and easy to follow and give them positive motivation, but still base it in dance. Judy had another aha moment that summer, this one at the YMCA. She'd been swimming, mostly to beat the summer heat, when one day she saw two muscle-bound gym employees, as she put it, next to a sign that said, fitness test. And she thought, Gosh, I would love to do that. And so I went through the testing, which they were kind of reticent to put me through because all the tests were geared toward men. But I said, well, let me try. And so I did a lot of them, and I, they kind of went off the charts. And they, they were like, well, what do you do? What kind of activity? I said, well, I dance. And they're like, what? Judy said they just could not comprehend that a professional dancer and a woman at that could be in such good physical shape. It was very surprising to them. And they said, well, you... You really did well, and these are not even charts made for women, because at the time, they really didn't have anything like that. Judy walked out of the Y that day thinking about how dance might help people get in shape. So she changed her beginning dance class for adults. Then she convinced several women who had dropped out to try her class one more time and see if they liked it. When they showed up, she turned them away from the mirror so they would not see themselves and feel intimidated. And this was actually a big deal because now all they had to do was follow Judy, enjoy the music, and just imagine how great they looked without feeling self-conscious. I just gave them lots of positive encouragement and tried to tell them, gosh, you look great, because I really felt they did. I mean, I would be doing the routine and they'd be following along and they looked great and I would tell them that. And, you know, anybody likes to be told they're good. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what was the reaction from the women in the class once you made those changes? Oh, well, gosh, they loved it. And I had 15 people in that first class. Well, then they went home and told their friend, their best friend about it. Well, you should come. So then the best friend came and then I had 30. And then that friend went home and told somebody else. And then I had 60 and the room wouldn't hold any more people. So... We kind of always had a waiting list, which was, that's a good thing to have. When you look back on that summer, did you know what you were starting? Oh, heck no. I still can't believe it (laughs) that, you know, it's come to this. I just love doing it. It was really fun for me. And it was just a highlight in my week. But it was never in my mind that, oh, this is going to be a business or it's going to grow. It was just something I loved to do. And I could share the passion that I had for dance. For several years, Judy kept teaching this class until 1971, when she and her family moved to Southern California. Without missing a beat, she kept on dancing and performing and teaching her class for non-dancers that she had grown to love back in Chicago. 
And in the land of sun and health and fitness, within a couple of years, people loved it. It was also the mid-70s, and dance was cool. It was the era of disco. And... A chorus line. The Broadway musical all about dance that was sweeping the awards. The Tonys, Pulitzer, kids, ask your parents. It was the Hamilton of its time. Within a few years, Judy devoted herself to teaching her fitness class. She got to know Highway 5 really well, driving from one session to the next for five years. And then... I lost my voice. How did you lose your voice? Well, it took a little time, but I would get hoarse, and then I'd be reduced by Friday to a whisper because I was teaching maybe 25, 30 classes a week and talking all the time and, you know, raising my voice and cueing and all the things that you have to do in the class to get people to follow you. Back then, she had to yell over the music, and the doctor told her she had nodules on her vocal cords. His advice... Quit talking or risk permanently losing your voice. The doctor said, well, you know, you just have to make a decision. You're probably going to have to quit teaching all those classes. When we come back, how the choice she made launched Jazzercise across the country and the world. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. We're back. When the doctor told Judy that she could save her voice if she stopped teaching, Judy thought, Well, no, I don't want to do that. Um, Because I had a big following and I felt responsible to those people. So I thought, well, maybe I could train some people to help me. She decided to reach out to five women who had been taking her class for many years and asked them if they would be willing to teach in her place. And they said, we'd love to. I had them come to my home, and we did this in my backyard. And I just taught them routines and choreography. And then I picked different classes to put them out in the different areas in San Diego County. And so off they went. Other students knew Judy had been losing her voice and worried she might quit teaching altogether. But with five additional instructors, she kept those current students. And with more classes, more people could sign up. 
I started getting phone calls from my customers. And, you know, at first, the first one, I thought, oh, no, they're going to they're going to hate this. But they loved it. And I thought, well, by golly, what do you know? We've done something good here. And that was the beginning, really, of it all. Turns out other people could teach her fitness class just in their own way. And that was okay. People still liked it. From this experience, Judy realized that one person cannot do it alone, especially if she wanted to do more with her classes. But it still hurt a bit. I mean, who hasn't felt that way at some point in their lives? Now, look, I'm a performer. You know, I'm a person in the theater. We have huge egos. <laughs> and, and I was thinking, well... Maybe it's just me. You know, a little bit of me was like, well, I hope it's just me. I'm special. Right, and, right. I don't want anyone to be, you know, yeah. can anyone be as good as me? Exactly. But they were, and, I, and, you know, I was very happy for that. Those five instructors eventually became a core group of 30, and they went out to teach even more classes. When a student asked, what do you call what we're doing? Judy told her, jazz dance for fun and fitness. The woman replied that since it was a mix of jazz, dance, and exercise, quote, I think you ought to call this jazzercise. Now, what did you think you were starting to create? I had no idea. I didn't even think about it. Truly, 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 I did not think about it. I had so many people telling me, this is great, and thank you. So I just did what seemed natural and what seemed right. By the late 70s, jazzercise was not the only aerobic exercise option out there. Richard Simmons opened his studio in 1974, Jane Fonda in 1979, and as the 1980s approached, Judy and her instructors were ready to spread the gospel of jazzercise across the country. But she wants to make one thing clear about that era. Number one, we never wore leg warmers or headbands, <laughs> but that was, you know, other people in the industry that did that. She won't say it, so I will. She means Jane Fonda. Are you ready to do the workout? There you go. Jane Fonda in purple leg warmers, light lavender tights, and a striped leotard. In fact, it looks like nearly everyone in the video is wearing leg warmers. One guy in the back corner is actually rocking a headband and some sweet-looking glasses. So Jane Fonda, jazzercise, similar but different. One focused more on the celebrity and the other more on the brand. Here's the other thing Judy wants you to know. Yes, she is aware of those great videos of her from the 80s that people love to watch. And you know what, Sugar? She does too. I think, what fun we had. It's not what we do today, but it's part of our legacy. So just enjoy it and have a good laugh. Do you recognize yourself when, you're, when you watch those videos? Oh yeah, of course. I'm not that different today. <laughs> so. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and laugh. But remember, in the 1980s, jazzercise was everywhere. At football games, the rededication of the Statue of Liberty, on TV talk shows. There was a performance at the Super Bowl. Jazzercise was even part of the opening ceremonies of the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. 300 jazzercisers performing while two and a half billion people watched. Judy even ran part of the Olympic torch relay. The torch she carried is on display at their headquarters. All of this hoopla is amazing when you consider how Americans looked at exercise in the years before. 
1950, if you walked around a place like New York City, you would not find a gym or certainly not boutique studio on every street corner. If you were someone who wasn't a celebrity or an athlete and you wanted to go work out all the time, you would get a lot of odd looks from people. This is Natalia Petrozella, an associate professor of history at the New School in New York City. She's writing a book about American fitness culture, and she says exercise as we know it today was not something women did 70 years ago. For women, you know, the idea would be, one, yes, why would you want to spend so much time in the company of other women? There was a kind of fear about lesbianism in there. But also, muscles make you masculine. Exercise and sport make you competitive. Neither of those things are feminine virtues. And also that rigorous exercise can destroy your ability to have babies. And what kind of lady would you be if you can't have babies? At that time, the main options for fitness included calisthenics taught by people like Jack LaLanne or weightlifting. Yes, women cared about how they looked, but they were discouraged from getting in shape through intense, sweaty, physical activity. There were these places that were very popular called slenderizing salons. It sounds like, you know, the proto-soul cycle or something maybe. But what these were is these were these salons or studios often attached to beauty salons and they would promise, you know, physical exercise while you relax in luxurious comfort. Like no effort necessary. Are these no kind of like sweating. the belts around your waist that would sort of shake the fat off? Yeah, shake the fat off is the dominant like technology going on there. And they looked at, they, the belts were more of like a 1940s thing, but uh. in the 60s you had like these big beds that women would lie on and that would do some of that shape action. A lot of it kind of emphasized like circulatory work in order to enhance if weight loss. If only it were that easy. I know, I know. Petrozella argues that attitudes toward fitness, especially women in exercise, started to change in the second half of the 20th century. Part of that shift came from the women's rights movement in the 1970s. It questioned practically every part of a woman's life, family, work, power, what she wanted as an individual. This is the era of the Equal Rights Amendment. There were books by women, for women, about their health and sexuality, like Our Bodies, Ourselves. And of course, there was Roe v. Wade. Jazzercise came onto the scene right at this moment. While it was not explicitly feminist, especially when compared to the very public feminist and activist Jane Fonda, it did reflect how women's lives were changing. This was promoting a kind of active womanhood and a kind of empowerment project that really was not explicitly political. And I think that that was very attractive and compelling to a lot of women who honestly weren't going to be marching in the streets and perhaps weren't fired up about some of the big women's issues of the time. Yeah, I think that the women's movement played a role in it. It gave women a sense of power, a sense of, wait a minute, I do have equal intelligence, I have equal creativity, and I should be able to do equal things. For the women who became instructors, many saw it as an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of other women. They helped other women to feel better and to get healthier and develop also a sense of community. Lots of women being together, enjoying one another, supporting one another. I think that was a huge part of why so many came on board. Of course, this is complicated. Even as Jazzercise provided a space where women could come together with one another and do something for themselves, some feminists have criticized it and similar programs for creating yet another expectation for women. 
Petrozella believes it's a legitimate criticism of the entire fitness culture in the U.S., but does not explain what Judy achieved and why jazzercise became so popular. I think that's not the most interesting thing about it or the dominant part of the story or the reason people keep showing up. And I think that does not give enough credit to the kind of vision that she's always had and to the communities that this created. Those communities account for part of Jazzercise's enduring success, something today's group fitness programs like SoulCycle or Pure Bar emulate and foster. But in addition to the women's movement, there was another reason why Jazzercise spread across the country and became so popular in the 1980s, the military. Judy's move to Southern California in the 1970s put her close to San Diego, home to many military bases. To this day, the county is one of the largest active-duty military centers in the world, with the Navy SEALs in Coronado, a Navy base in San Diego, and the Marine Corps at Camp Pendleton. Because of that, many of the women in Judy's classes had spouses or partners who were in the service or themselves were serving. And being in the armed forces meant that it was very likely you would be transferred to another base in another city at some point, and you'd have to move. If those people wanted to keep jazzercising in a new place— They'd have to become instructors and then spread the word of jazzercise. So Judy responded. We developed a criteria by which you had to apply to become an instructor. And if you fit the criteria, then you trained. And then you could go on and develop classes in wherever you were going to be transferred to, which they did. So that helped spread the program to other parts of the United States. And then in those areas, it took hold again. Slowly, more and more women moved across the country to places like Chippewa Falls in Wisconsin or to Texas and began teaching jazzercise to more women. And as some military families moved overseas, jazzercise classes started opening in Okinawa, Japan and Guam and Rome. For Judy, her small business in Southern California was becoming a national and international one. She had to get an office, hire staff, and figure out how to run the company. And let me tell you, I have no business training or background. I never got an MBA, and my mother was an accountant, and she always said, oh, Judy, you'll never be a business person because you don't have a head for figures. And I now have a head for two kinds, the fiscal and the physical. As Jazzercise got bigger, Judy faced another challenge, how to keep the classes fresh and exciting by giving the instructors new music and new steps. When she started training instructors, they'd meet in her backyard and review the choreography in person. But as those people moved away, the challenge was how to take her routines and translate them into typed notes describing the steps that she could then mail to those faraway instructors. It's not easy to do. Here's my attempt at writing down steps from one short clip for producers Julia Press. So we start with feet shoulder width apart, wider than shoulder width. Okay. And Sarah Wyman. And then we're going to cross our arms in front of our chest, left hand on right shoulder, right hand on left shoulder. At the same time. Trying to figure it out. Bend sideways at the waist to the right while at the same time uncrossing your arms and take your right arm and touch the outside of your calf. Oh, dear. (laughs) Which side? And then they watched how Judy actually demonstrates the steps in the video. Oh, that's much more graceful than what we did. They're not putting the hand on the hip. 
Let's just say I will not be teaching jazzercise anytime soon. Judy, on the other hand, well, she was a professional dancer, and she'd been teaching for years. And even for her, writing down the choreography was not easy. That's when another development proved vital to the success of jazzercise, technology. In particular, the VHS. That made a huge difference because now, instead of people having to interpret choreography from the written word, which is very difficult, we now had a means by which they could view the choreography. The VHS was introduced to America in 1977. While it was expensive at first, a blank tape cost around $20 in 1977, or about $85 in today's dollars. Over time, prices dropped and video cameras and recorders and players became more affordable. And Judy and her husband were among the first to go out and buy a camera and recorder. Judy was on her way to becoming a 1980s video star. My husband would tape me doing the material in the backyard, by the way, to start with. And then he would make duplicate copies and send them out to all of our instructors who were not near where I was so that they could visually see the material. Once the instructors memorized the routines, they could turn around and teach them to their classes. That really was something that I think skyrocketed our program. That's still how it works today, though now it's live streaming and digital videos of new routines that are sent out about every 10 weeks. So the 1980s were getting underway and everything was clicking into place for Judy. From a small studio in Chicago more than 10 years earlier, she had launched a new fitness trend. By 1982, there were more than a thousand instructors teaching jazzercise classes in nearly every state. She had a best-selling book, Jazzercise, A Fun Way to Fitness, and a record that had gone gold. In fact, in 1982, there were three exercise gold albums, Judy's as well as Jane Fonda and Richard Simmons. Everything was going great until her accountant called and her attorney. They needed to talk to her urgently. Her attorney said to her, Judy, what you're doing is illegal. That's after the break. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're back. This is a jazzercise class in Southern California. Now reach it right arm front. 
Instructor Nancy Brady is leading a group of about 60 women through some of the number one hits of the past few years. Most of the women are in their mid-50s, though there is one woman in the back who is in her early 90s. She's wearing big, round sunglasses, a black cap, and a t-shirt that reads, Stronger For It. And she's crushing it. Brady has been teaching here for nearly 30 years, but she's been with Jazzercise even longer. I've been teaching a long time, and I don't plan to stop, you know? I might switch to low impact later on, but for right now, it's, it's all good. And I still love it. You know, 35 years teaching, I still love it. She became an instructor in 1984 during her senior year at the University of California at Santa Barbara. She took some of her student loan money and bought a Jazzercise franchise. Every Jazzercise instructor owns a franchise. So you can take that franchise with you if you move, and that's how Jazzercise grew. Franchising. That was the decision Judy had to make when her attorney and accountant called a few years before Nancy began teaching. They told Judy she was running afoul of employment law, and that could get her in trouble with the IRS. Here's the deal. In the early 80s, as Jazzercise expanded, instructors were independent contractors. By that definition, Judy could dictate the results of their work, teaching her fitness class, but not the way the instructors went about doing it. Sending out VHS tapes with detailed instructions on how to teach a class, kickball change here, jazz hands there, that might not fly because if Jazzercise was telling instructors how to do their job, it had, quote, control. And that made instructors more like employees. If they were, well, then Jazzercise had a lot more financial obligations, like Social Security and Medicare payments. Her attorney told her, Do you know, Judy, you need to make a choice here. Either make these people employees or make them franchisees. At that point, franchising wasn't, you know, too much of a big deal. You know, there was McDonald's out there and not too many others. So I said, well, tell me what a franchise involves. They told her she could keep control of how Jazzercise was taught, but the instructors would get to run their classes like it was their own small business. I thought, well, I like that because as an employee... It didn't make any sense because they wouldn't be able to reap the benefits of the classes that they were marketing and teaching. I would pay them simply a salary. As a franchisee, they would make a percentage of what they were reaping the benefits from the business. And so I thought, well, that's very much like we already are as independent contractors. So I said, I want to go franchising. That decision was yet another reason for the success of Jazzercise. Today, we're very familiar with franchises, most of them fast food, like McDonald's and Subway. But Judy took a different approach. She saw restaurant franchises costing a lot of money up front, but with lower annual fees. She decided to do the opposite. She made it less expensive at the beginning to buy a Jazzercise franchise to become an instructor. And then later, once you started teaching classes, you'd pay a higher fee. Back in the 80s, it cost $500 to become an instructor. Today, the upfront cost is just over $1,200, just a little less than inflation. In the 1980s, the two hottest franchises were Jazzercise and Domino's. If you can believe that. So, <laughs> Do you see a connection there? Yeah, well, it was like one sort of supported the other, you know. <laughs> the pizza would be eaten, and then they'd come to class <laughs> and take it off. So, you know, and we're both still going strong today. Can you make a living as a franchise instructor? You sure can. 
but it's not necessary for you if you don't want to do that. We have a lot of people who do as as part-time. But if you want to open your own jazzercise center and have something, yes, you can make a living. We have people that are doing very well with it. Judy realized that as franchisees, women would have more choices. And Professor Petrozella points out that Judy's decision also came soon after women gained more opportunities to achieve their professional and financial goals thanks to the Equal Opportunity Credit Act. In 1974, there's this federal act which prohibits discrimination for access to credit on the basis of gender. So if you think about what did life look like before that, if you were a woman and you wanted to get a loan or you wanted to get a credit card, you'd have to show up with a guy to vouch for you, right? That seems very handmaid's tale, but that's the way things were, which as you can imagine, really prohibited women's access to participate in a consumer market in any way. For many women, Jazzercise has had a more lasting effect than is often acknowledged. One of the things that I'm most compelled by is talking to the women who are like 99%, I believe, of the franchisees of Jazzercise and hearing how this business allowed women who were often homemakers or very much constrained by their family commitments to start their own businesses, to make independent money, and to create kind of communities and a form of economic viability for themselves as well. And I think that's We can forget that when we just think about leg warmers and kind of funny 80s dance moves. Nancy Brady knows some people do react that way when she tells them she's a jazzercise instructor. So sometimes she says she leads a dance fitness program. It's just easier. But whatever Nancy calls it, jazzercise has given her more than dance routines to teach. It's helped her run her own business. I've learned accounting. I've learned to crunch numbers. I've learned marketing. I've learned, you know, how to market on on Facebook and Google AdWords. I mean, just like any other business. Hire people. Make sure that we're giving the consumer what they want. Yeah, what hasn't it taught me? Maybe that's the question. And for many women like her, who want to make money on their own terms over the course of their lives, it's also provided options. As a woman who, you know, always wanted to have kids but also wanted to have a career, um, I've had two careers and I'm a mom and it's just kind of gone with me. It's been very flexible and I'm very blessed to have had that. All of this might not have been the plan when Judy started teaching her jazz dance for adult beginners over 50 years ago. That does not mean, however, that what she accomplished is an accident. We were doing the right things when the right things came along, whether it was the women's movement or technology or franchising, all of those things. But it's not accidental if you make the choices. If I hadn't chosen to use the technology or to promote women If I hadn't chosen to do that, it never would have happened. In that first class in 1969, Judy turned the women away from the mirror so they would feel less self-conscious. If she could turn those same women around today, they might be pleasantly surprised to reflect back and see how they inspired Judy for all that followed. When you decide in life that you want to do the thing that you really love and then that there's a purpose behind it, I think you'll be successful. Do your passion, make it purposeful, and you'll be a happy soul. Keep following me. Yeah.
This episode was produced by me with Julia Press and Sarah Wyman. Special thanks to Margaret Bawani, Libby Brandt, Juliana Kaplan, Meg Techman-Fuller, and Lauren Thompson. Also thanks to Jazzercise instructors Alex Lance and Kelsey Jackson and the regulars at Jazzercise Flatiron. It was really hard. The clip you heard from the 1984 Olympics was from ABC. Bill Moss is our sound engineer, music from Audio Network. Casey Holford and John Delore composed our theme. The editors are Michaela Bly and Carolyn Dubol. Sarah Wyman is our showrunner. Brought to you by is a production of Insider Audio. This looks like the easiest part for you. Finally something I can do. (laughs) 